Hello and welcome to the Lake Syria Vineyard Church podcast. We're glad you're here and hope that the following audio will be a blessing to you. If you'd like more information about who we are, where we are, and what we're all about, please visit myvineyardchurch.com. Thanks for being with us this Christmas. If you're our visitor, a guest today, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Troy Easton. I'm the lead pastor here, and I get the privilege of welcoming you and opening the scriptures with you today, which we're going to do right away. And so if you do have a Bible with you, you're welcome to pull that out now. Or if you have access to scripture on a device, you can pull that out as well today too. And turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And today we are going to spend our time together in a very familiar passage of scripture And yet, as familiar as it might be, uh, my hope, my prayer, is that as we look at it once again, as a community, that God would gift us all with refreshed and courageous faith to trust him and to believe him and find our hope in him this Christmas. But before we read, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive in. Father, we thank you for this morning and for the gift of Christmas. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in celebration of the birth of your son. We thank you for your word and the truth. We thank you for your spirit that is in us and among us today. And we thank you for the chance to focus our minds and our hearts on the true meaning and purpose of Christmas. By your spirit, would you please illuminate your word to us this morning? Would you help us to lean in together for the next few moments, away from all the plans and the worries and the wonderings of the rest of this day and toward you. We give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, if you haven't already turned there yet, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to start reading today in verse 18. Um, And I do just want to point out right away, before we read... And maybe this is true for you, at least in my Bible, and if you have the YouVersion Bible app up, it should say it in your Bible too. The heading before this section of scripture should say, the birth of Jesus Christ. Does yours say that? Mine says that. And at the risk of sounding silly this morning, for stating the obvious, this is of course the reason Christmas is a thing, and the reason that we've gathered today, isn't it? See, believe it or not, this time and this season is not actually about romance and Hallmark movies, (laughs) as enjoyable as they are to watch. It's not about age-old stories of jolly old Saint Nick, and it's not actually about magical moments that we get to have with our family and friends in the snow or the brown grass this year. (laughs) Actually, it's like the first time in 40 years that I remember a brown Christmas which is unbelievable to me. Christmas is, regardless of what culture and family traditions have decided it is, Christmas is, of course, about the birth of Jesus and the fact that his coming, that his coming has revealed God's love for the world, God's faithfulness to his word, and God's gracious and merciful provision for our eternal rescue. I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture this morning, one that you're going to be very familiar with. I'm going to read you the first section. You're going to notice, you're going to, you're going to recognize it, but I'm going to read you the whole chunk today, John 3, 16 through 18 this morning, just to get started. It says this, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Of course, this is the verse we all are familiar with. It's the verse that clearly tells us why Jesus came and why Christmas is really such a big deal. But listen to what else John tells us in his gospel in the the next two verses, starting in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. If you're our our guest this morning, You should know that we've been in a series here at the Vineyard on Sunday morning since August that is taking us through the entire book of Romans, which is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to believers in Rome to essentially preach and teach the deep and transforming truths about God, his son, and the gospel. And one of the truths that we've spent a significant amount of time looking at is one that can be really hard to swallow for some people, but it's one that John even mentions here in his gospel. And it's the truth that all humanity, every single one of us is actually born already condemned and destined to suffer God's wrath and eternal separation from him because of our sin and sin nature, which we inherited from um, the first man, Adam, and the first sinner. And that's why Jesus didn't come to condemn because the world already is. The bad news today is that every single one of us is on the naughty list, okay? Every single one of us. And yet... Even though that is the truth, and even though that can be hard for some of us to swallow, what is also true, and what fuels our celebration today, is the fact that because of God's love, and his generous, merciful, and gracious provision of Jesus, and all that he accomplished through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we can be forgiven of sin, we can be rescued from our condemned fate, and we really can receive a new and everlasting life. By grace, the Bible says, through faith in Jesus. By sincerely trusting and believing in him, just like John three sixteen tells us. See, Christmas means God loves us. Christmas means God's word is actually true. Christmas means that we really do have hope because we aren't alone. And because there really is no condemnation for those of us who believe. And and Christmas ultimately means that God wants to have us close to him forever. It's the beauty of Christmas. That's why we celebrate. That's why we make a big deal about Christmas around here. That's why we gather with family. It's why we decorate trees. It's why we give gifts. That's why we sing carols. And that's why on this day each year we take time to look at the account of Jesus' first coming because it's not a tradition and it's not because we don't already know the story. We do it because we know we don't deserve Christmas. But God gave it to us because he loves us. And remembering it, reminding ourselves of the truth of Christmas is really good for our souls and our faith, and so that's what we're gonna do together today. We're gonna remind ourselves of the truth 
of that first Christmas. So again, if you haven't already turned there yet, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 18 today. And this is how it begins. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now right away in Matthew's account of the birth of Christ, of course we find out that Jesus' mother's name is Mary, that she was betrothed, which means that she wasn't just engaged to be married, but that she was already legally bound to a man named Joseph and that she, a virgin, had become pregnant, not by Joseph or any other man, but by the Holy Spirit. And if we had the time this morning, I'd take us over to to Luke chapter 1 so that you could also see that Mary wasn't invited to consider the role. She wasn't even asked if she would want to do it. Luke chapter 1 tells us that Mary was chosen by God and that she was declared by God to be the mother of the Son of the Most High. And the scriptures also tell us that she had a really difficult time with this because she couldn't understand why she was picked. However, God made sure that she knew that it was God's will for this to happen, for her to be the mother of the Lord. And so she submitted to him and his plan, not with pride in her heart, that she had been chosen, but in humble, reverent fear of God and all that was to come. Now, we don't, know, we don't know if her being found to be with child means that Joseph could see her growing belly and realized it wasn't, you know, extra hamburgers. We don't know if her being found means that she shared the news with Joseph and that's when he found out. Either way, what we do know is that when he does, when he finds out that Mary's pregnant with a baby that isn't his and apparently is from the Holy Spirit, we find out that Joseph... He doesn't believe a word of it. And he immediately knows that he has some very serious decisions to make. Listen to how Matthew, what Matthew tells us next, verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Joseph, he, he was a godly man with a heart for the Lord and deep love in his heart for Mary. However, he could not, no matter how hard he tried, he could not get his head and his heart around a life and a future with a woman who had been unfaithful to him and who, one who legitimately hoped that he was ignorant enough, ignorant enough to believe that her story of immaculate conception was even a thing. And so with broken trust, In a broken heart, Joseph decides to put an end to their plans for holy matrimony. But instead, you guys, of making a spectacle out of Mary and smearing her face in her foolishness, a human response I'm sure he struggled with. Ultimately, because Joseph did sincerely love Mary and because his desire was to ultimately honor God, he decided that he was going to end his marriage quietly and allow Mary the undeserved grace to make some decisions about what she was going to do now with her life as a single mom instead of making it any harder for her. 
See, not a one of us would blame Joseph for the decisions he made that night, would we? Mary's pregnancy, an explanation of how it happened is unbelievable. In fact, it is impossible to believe, absolutely impossible, irrational and ridiculous to believe that a woman who had never been with a man would become pregnant, let alone by the Spirit of God. It's impossible to believe that is without the help of God himself, which is why this happens next. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. After, after Joseph had made up his mind, after he'd already considered all the options and then landed on this plan to quietly divorce Mary and move on with his life is right when God intervenes. And to do so, he sends to an angel to Joseph while he slept to make it clear that the unbelievable and ridiculous story about Mary's pregnancy was actually true. That Mary's apparent unfaithfulness to him was actually God being faithful to him and his people. And that the story of immaculate conception wasn't some delusion to cover up her poor decision making, but God's work in the world to bring about his will. His will to send a Messiah who the Bible tells us would be a descendant of King David who would rescue God's people and establish his kingdom in the earth and rule forever. And the fact that the angel starts speaking to, to Joseph like this, son of David, and then makes these comments about the baby being from the spirit along with what the angel says next is what seals the deal for Joseph and his unbelief about Mary's tale. Listen to this, verse 21, she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And there goes any opportunity for he and Mary to plan any sort of fun gender reveal party or celebration. <laughs> the, the angel let the cat out of the bag, so it's over. Not only was Mary actually pregnant by the Spirit, but she was pregnant with a boy a boy, the angel commanded Joseph to name Jesus, or in Hebrew, Yeshua, which means the Lord is salvation, or the Lord saves. And the reason, of course, that Mary's baby was to be named Yeshua was because he was coming to save his people. Save his people from what? not from political oppression or government overreach, but from their sins. Or more specifically, from the consequence and condemnation of their sin that would keep them separated from God forever. 
See, what's important for us to understand at this point in the story of Jesus' coming, and in just in general, is that Jesus didn't just come so people could be forgiven of sin. Jesus was sent to rescue his people, to bring them back to God, back into right relationship with their creator, something that would only be possible with God's intervention and help. And God's intervention, God's help for us is Jesus. Continuing in verse 22, it says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew, the writer of this gospel, he's intentional to point out right here something that the Jewish people would have been very familiar with. See, littered through all, the entire Old Testament, from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, littered throughout the entire Old Testament are specific messianic prophecies that give details around God's plan and his purpose for sending Jesus. Prophecies that were intended to stir up expectation and hope and faith and prophecies that would confirm God's will and his way. And one such prophecy out of many is this one right here in verse 23, which is actually a quote from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, which Isaiah the prophet around 700 years before the birth of Christ declares Words from God confirming three non-negotiable assurances and confirmations of who the Messiah would be. Number one, that he'd be a boy, a he. Number two, that, that the Messiah would be born of a woman who had never been with a man or received a man's seed. And three, that he would be called Emmanuel, not as a name, but as an identifier See, the Messiah would be more than just a boy that was conceived by the Spirit. The Messiah would be Emmanuel, God with us. The holy creator of everything would put on flesh to come and dwell among his creation to fulfill his own expectations and requirements for obedience, atonement, and salvation on man's behalf because he loved the world because he knew the world couldn't do it themselves. So Joseph, that night, he went to bed with broken trust and a broken heart and plans for the days ahead. But after his encounter with the angel in his dream, he would wake up a changed man with a brand new plan. Listen to this. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph, he, he woke up from this dream in an entirely different place in his head and his heart than when he had gone to bed. Where there was once unbelief and distrust and hurt was now this divine faith and courage, and confidence in God, in his word, and even in Mary. But it wasn't, Vineyard, it wasn't because Joseph just changed his mind, was it? 
It wasn't because he just decided to see things and feel things a little differently that morning. It was because God intervened, didn't he? It was because God did what only God can do. Open eyes, open ears, and open hearts to the truth. The truth that God is who he says he is. The truth that the promised Messiah and King was in fact coming and in Mary's womb. And that his, Joseph's life and the world would never be the same again because of it. See, he, like Mary, had been chosen, declared by God to have a place in God's inaugurated rescue plan for the world. God didn't ask if he wanted to be a part of it. He chose him. And Joseph surrendered to God and his will. This was no story, this was the truth. And so Joseph, he woke up, he obeyed God, took Mary as his wife, and of course the scriptures tell us that they waited to do what married people do until after the birth of Jesus. And that first Christmas came. Do you know what the best part of the Christmas story is? He said it's true. It's true. The best part is that it's the truth that it really happened as the scriptures tell us it did. And that the implications of the coming of Christ, his life and his death and his resurrection, which is what we've all put our hope and our trust in, it changes everything. It changes everything for those of us who sincerely believe. And there are many of us here today who this is already true. You already believe and trust in Jesus and because of it, your life is being transformed day in and day out by the truth, by the spirit, by God and his word. And you rejoice today because of the promise, promises and the hope that Christmas reminds us that we have. We don't celebrate just a baby in a manger. We celebrate what that actually means for our lives and for eternity. Now, that being said, I know that there are some here today who maybe are just like Joseph the night before he went to sleep and had that encounter in his dream. Perhaps the story of Emmanuel being born of a virgin because he was sent to save his people from their sins it's just a little bit hard for you to get your head and your heart around. And that's okay. If that's you, I've been there. I was there for a very long time. But I also want you to know, if that is you, that God sees you. He knows you. He made you. He loves you. And he knows that you can't just decide to believe. In fact, he knows that you need him to intervene to help you know and believe the truth. And that's what I find so encouraging about this Christmas passage in particular because of how God deals with Joseph, right? I mean, technically, God didn't need him, did he? Mary was already pregnant. Mary was already of the line of David. Uh, that's an interesting fact. Both David and Mary are of the lineage of David, King of the tribe of Judah. God didn't need Joseph, but God chose Joseph because God wanted Joseph and God wanted Joseph because he made Joseph because he loved Joseph and he wanted Joseph to believe so that Joseph could step into what God was doing in the world. 
And Joseph said yes. He intervened. God did the work. He gifted Joseph with faith and confidence in him, and it changed everything for him. Changed everything. Now, here's the deal. I sincerely believe that you being here this morning, whether you knew it or not, I believe that you being here today is far, has far less to do with the fact that it's Christmas Eve and this is what you do. You show up at church and you celebrate Jesus and you sing some Christmas carols. I believe it has far more to do with the fact that God desires to intervene in your life. That God's desire is to draw your heart, to open your eyes and your ears to the truth, to gift you with faith. I believe that God has chosen every single one of you here today. He desires that you would believe so that you can live in his love forever and join him in what he's doing in the world today. Could it be that this Christmas, God is moving towards you to gift you with Christmas? Courageous and confident faith in the truth that he is who he says he is. That Jesus was sent so that you can know him in his love and so that you would spend eternity with him forever. I believe it is. My question for you this morning is, will you respond to the truth about Christmas by doing what Joseph did? See, Joseph, when he realized the truth, when he had a revelation of Jesus, he woke up from his sleep and he responded to God's word in faith. Would you do that today? Let's pray. We love you, God. Sometimes it's hard for us to get our head and our hearts around lots of this stuff. But Lord, deep in our souls, we are convinced of who you are and what you've said is true. And this Christmas, we take these moments just to say thank you for meeting us where we're at, for providing for us what we couldn't do on our own, for loving us, for providing rescue for us and forgiveness, and for hope as we legitimately live in a land of deep darkness and face it every single day. Would you stir fresh hope and fresh faith today in our community? In Jesus' name, amen.